And so the apostles taught about salvation. They taught about salvation coming only from the God who chooses to save. They talk about hope, eternal hope, found only in the person of Christ. Without Christ there is no hope, but eternal salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone. These were the themes of apostolic truth, salvation. So let me remind you very quickly. We need to be saved. Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Welcome once more to this latest episode of Let the Bible Speak. It is my uh, privilege to bring the Word of God to you uh, week by week. I do trust that these broadcasts are a benefit to your soul. If you would like to get in touch with us, please do drop us an email at uh, malvernfpc at yahoo.com. Today I want to start a new series of studies looking at Paul's first letter to Timothy. If you miss anything... Uh, during the uh, broadcast or you want to listen again uh, these episodes are uploaded and are available via a podcast they can be accessed via iTunes or through Podbean for Android users they're also available on the website sermonaudio.com in each of these ways just look up uh, Malvern FPC and you'll be able to find the various episodes Why don't we begin with a a word of prayer today as we come to study the scriptures together. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we we come in Christ's name and we ask for help and grace as we come to study the word of God. We pray that it will be a blessing to all who are hearing. We thank you for this opportunity, this means to bring the word of God to many hearts. We pray you'd use it in their lives. We pray that the people of God would be edified and that even through this broadcast, souls would come to know and love the Saviour. So bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I've said, I want to begin a new series. This is the first letter that Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. The letter begins, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Saviour, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. We are enjoying the privilege of reading a letter. The writer is the Apostle Paul and the recipient is Timothy. But lest we fear we are intruding on some private correspondence, it is clear that Paul didn't only have Timothy in mind as he wrote. The instructions he gives to the young pastor are to be passed on and communicated to the church. There are several times in the letter itself that Paul is addressing a wider audience than simply Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. He's in a role akin to the term that we may uh, use of the, of the minister of the church. 
Paul writes two letters to Timothy, along with the letter to Titus, and together these three books of the Bible are referred to as the pastoral epistles. Much of our understanding of Paul's teaching regarding the church comes from these epistles, these letters that he wrote. The understanding of church life has perhaps not been appreciated as fully as it ought to have been. We live lives that are often very individualistic. We think about our own lives, our own responsibilities. But when you study the Bible, you see that Christ gave his lifeblood for a church. He gives lifeblood for a people. And as souls are saved, so we find them gathered together in local manifestations of the church, local churches. And we see that as these churches are founded in the New Testament, so therefore Paul writes letters to them. Now this letter is written particularly to an individual, but as I've said already, it has an application to the broader church. But as a letter, uh, this letter follows the form of letters of that day. The opening words would be familiar to a reader. We, we think of our own letter writing and we may begin, Dear so-and-so, we may conclude, Yours truly or yours sincerely. But at that time, the writer and the recipient were stated at the very start, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Now, as a reader, we may think that the opening words are only form and habit. But actually, when you look at ancient letter writing, you see that Paul often changes the form and he gives the form a distinctly Christian theme. These words are part of Holy Writ. The Holy Spirit includes no words just for the sake of it. Every word is important, every word is instructive, and therefore it is beneficial if we take the time to study it. So let me encourage you, if you're reading your Bible regularly, don't be tempted to read these opening words of the letters and swiftly move on. Even worse, do not be tempted to ignore them altogether. Oh yes, much of the meat will come as we move forward, but for now let's take the time to consider some lessons that arise from these words of greeting. We're going to do this over two broadcasts, uh, and I'm going to use three words, three tags, just to help us work our way through the material in these opening verses. I'm going to talk about the issue of authority, uh, the issue of identity, and indeed also we look at the, the issue of humility. And these are important things that are always vital for the people of God to be reminded of in all generations. So let's today begin with the matter of authority. Again, authority is a challenging subject. We believe in our individual rights. And yet in the Bible, there are very clear markers regarding authority. We are, in all of our various spheres of life, we live as those who are under authority or those who possess authority. That authority must be handled in a very uh, understanding and a careful manner. But yet the issue of authority is clearly taught in the word of God. And authority comes to the surface in this epistle with the opening words, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul describes himself as an apostle. That's a term that we may be familiar with, but I wonder, do we appreciate what is really involved in the term? 
So let me begin, as you consider this matter of authority, by thinking about the qualifications for the office. The Bible shows us there were several qualifications for someone to be an apostle. And as we think of these, I want to ask you a question. As you listen, do you believe that there are apostles today? Do you believe that there are those who can rightfully claim the title apostle in their ministry? Well, as we study the qualifications, I think it will help us to answer that question. First of all, to be an apostle, one had to be an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. Now, we, we know this because of the events in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 as part of the narrative there, deals with the replacement of Judas. Judas, of course, one of the first 12 apostles, chose to go his own way, chose to betray the Lord, and of course had that tragic end. But as the apostles met to consider the early progress of the church, they began by replacing Judas with a man called Matthias. But as they began to deliberate, Who would be the replacement? This is the word of Acts chapter 1 verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So there you see that the person who was going to replace Judas had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. Not simply one in a second-hand manner saying, yes, people say he is risen, but actually have, having with their own eyes witnessed Christ in his resurrected form. Secondly, to be an apostle, one had to be commissioned directly by Christ. Now, that is clearly the case for the initial twelve. But it's also true for Matthias. As they considered who could replace Judas, they prayed. And they said, Thy Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. They understood that an apostle was one who was chosen and commissioned directly by Christ. The word apostle has a sense of being one sent on a commission. The very word itself implies one serving under authority. And so Paul would say, even in this very letter, Paul begins, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. He acknowledges that his own apostleship was according to the commandment of Christ. So you have these qualifications, an eyewitness to the risen Christ, commissioned directly by Christ, and also they had to be confirmed by Christ in the sense that they wrought and worked miracles. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 12 says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. There were these things called the signs of an apostle. In other words, they were signs that marked someone out, proved someone to be an apostle. So that's something of the Bible's teaching regarding the qualifications of the office Which then leads me to deal with the second matter, which is the duration of the office. I've already asked the question, let me repeat it. Are there still apostles today? Well, I answer that in the negative. I say, no, there are no living apostles. The qualifications 
that I've mentioned above suggest this. To be an eyewitness to Christ, commissioned directly by Christ, confirmed by miracles, this is a very high bar to be qualified to be an apostle. Furthermore, Paul himself rules out there being further apostles. In reference to the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Christ appeared last of all to him. Let me read to you the words of verse number 8 of that chapter. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Paul is referring, of course, to his experience on the road to Damascus, where Christ appeared to him truly and really he saw the risen Lord. And Paul refers to himself as one born out of due time. He, he was coming lately to the role of the apostleship. And he says, I am least of all the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But he does claim to be an apostle. Having seen Christ, he claims to be an apostle commissioned by Christ. And so, and that very fact that Paul refers to himself as being last of all, immediately suggests that the apostolic office is not a continuing office for all generations. Furthermore, the apostles are described in Ephesians chapter 2 and the verse 20 as foundational, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You all know that in any form of construction work, you only build one foundation. And so I have to assert that there is no continuing apostolic office. That the apostles, they were commissioned by Christ for the time of the foundation of the early church. They were vital in that service, but there was no there was no uh, understanding in the apostolic teaching that their role would be continued in future generations. So, let me think in the third place then, a most important issue, and that is the reason for this office. If this is a temporary office, well, what was their function? What was the reason whereby they were commissioned by the Saviour? Well, very simply, they were to relay the teaching of Christ to the world and especially to the church. They were men who wrote the scriptures under inspiration. John 14 through 16, we have the account of our Saviour talking to the disciples before he eventually was crucified, resurrected and ascended. And in those chapters, known as the Upper Room Discourse, we see the Lord and we hear the Lord instructing the disciples regarding his departure. And in John fourteen twenty six, he gives them the promise of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, whom the Father would send in his name. And as he promises the Holy Ghost, the Lord says that the Holy Ghost shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the gift of the Holy Ghost to the apostles was in part to allow them to remember and recall all the things that Christ had taught them. Two chapters later, in chapter 16, the Lord says this, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. There again you see 
that the role of the Spirit of God in the apostles was to teach the apostles what they were to teach. That wasn't just true for the apostles who were present in the upper room. Paul, one born out of due time, asserts his own authority in Galatians chapter 1, where he claims that the gospel that he learned was taught to him directly by Christ. Let me read to you the words of Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, 12. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. What a claim. Paul claimed, as an apostle, that he was taught the gospel directly by Jesus Christ. And indeed, Paul was willing to give his life for the truth that Christ had taught him at that time. Thus the themes that the apostles taught and preached are the themes that they were taught by Jesus Christ himself. Whilst Christ went to heaven to sit down at the right hand of God, yet his ministry was continued in the ministry of the apostles. And Paul himself gives us an insight into the themes that they taught. He refers to the commandment of God our Saviour. He refers to the Lord Jesus in verse 1 of 1 Timothy as our hope. And so the apostles taught about salvation. They taught about salvation coming only from the God who chooses to save. They talk about hope, eternal hope, found only in the person of Christ. Without Christ there is no hope, but eternal salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone. These were the themes of apostolic truth, salvation. So let me remind you very quickly. We need to be saved. As men and women living in a fallen world, we live under the curse of a broken law. Our father Adam sinned in the garden and sin passed upon all men. So we are born with a sinful record and a sinful nature And we need saved from sin and saved from every consequence of sin. We need to be saved from the wrath of God. But how can we be saved? Well, we can be saved through the person of Jesus Christ. His name was Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. Titus chapter 2 tells us, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's a reference to Jesus Christ. And as Christ taught us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, he taught us to live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. And as we do so, we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so the the apostles taught the doctrine of salvation. They taught that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They taught that salvation is the radical work of God in the heart of the unconverted. That by God's grace they are born again. They become new creatures and as new creatures they live for God. Not to earn salvation but out of the salvation they freely enjoyed. And so that was the teaching of the apostles. And so when you consider these things together, when you think about this matter of apostolic authority... It is a very helpful insight into how we are to understand the Bible in our day. 
there is still apostolic authority. It's not found in a person or persons. It's found in the pages of the Word of God. Apostolic authority is not found in the papacy. It's not found in self-appointed charismatic leaders. They're charlatans who have to claim things that are not according to reality. Apostolic authority today is only found in the scriptures. And thus, we have the, 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 the sense in the New Testament of a chain of command. Paul is under the authority of God. Paul then exhorts Timothy regarding certain things. He says in verse 18 of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, This charge I commit unto thee. There's a sense in which Paul is charging Timothy. Timothy then in turn is to charge the people. So Paul is taught of Christ. Paul then teaches Timothy. And Timothy in turn is responsible to teach the church. You see, to reject the teaching of the apostles is to reject God and Christ. 1 John 4 verse 6 teaches us that those who know God hear the apostles. We are not at liberty to pick and choose what we want in the apostolic record. To reject the apostles' authority as contained in the word of God is to reject God and reject salvation. We're not at liberty to decide what sort of Christ we want or or what commands we want to follow as those who are the followers of Christ. And so as we work our way through the chapters in this epistle, there are things that are going to, to come up that we must apply to our lives. We must be willing to embrace the apostolic teaching and seek to not only be hearers of the word of God, but also doers. And let me give you a passing word of exhortation. Whatever church you attend, you must make sure that the pastor under whom you sit is one who holds the doctrine of apostolic authority. That they understand that they are not Lord of the church, but that they are responsible to pass on the teaching of the apostles. The pastor's duty is to take the word of God, the commands of the apostles, and communicate them to the people. Every pastor must serve under the authority of the word of God. But as they serve under authority, so God's people must understand that they live under the authority of the scriptures. It is the duty of a pastor at times to bring a charge and a command to the people. But it is not their right to make up those charges or those commands. It is the responsibility of the man of God to ensure that whatever they teach is according to the word of God. And if a man of God professes to teach something that is not in the word of God, they ought to be challenged for that. It is a very solemn thing to seek to teach the people of God. It's a very solemn thing to bring exhortations from the word of God. But if a man of God opens up the Bible faithfully, It is then your duty to be submissive to that teaching, to change if necessary, and to walk humbly under the authority that God has instituted. Authority is a a tricky subject, but the Bible is abundantly clear. God is ultimately the one who possesses all authority, but he has, in his sovereign will, taught apostles, And then three apostles we teach so that we live under God's authority 
And we are those who must live in a manner that pleases the Lord. Primarily, I exhort you to hear the command of Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. That command was repeated by the apostles. Many, many times we read in the book of Acts and in the epistles that there is only one way to God. There is one mediator, one saviour. His name is Jesus. And to enjoy the salvation that Christ has accomplished, we must turn from our sins and we must trust in Christ and in Christ alone. That is the way of salvation taught in the word of God. It is not found in a church. It is not found in any obedience to church forms and rituals. Salvation is found only in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He came to be a saviour. His blood was shed to save sinners. And we can enter into the benefits of that salvation as we run to him, trust in him, believe on him, and trust that when the Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, then that's a true word. Well, let's close uh, this broadcast with a, a word of prayer. Again, we are glad that you're able to listen in and we do trust that God will speak to you week by week. Once more, I remind you, if you've missed something or want to go back uh, over this uh, lesson, please uh, look up the uh, various podcasts and I trust that God will continue to speak in his word. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these opening words in this letter. We thank you for the teaching that we have in the Word of God. And we pray you'd help those who are listening in to think through these issues, that they would understand that we all live under authority, that they understand that that authority is found in God and in his Word alone. But help us to be obedient. Help us not to be rebellious, but gladly submit to the teaching of the Word of God, for that is for our eternal benefit. And so we think of all here listening in, we pray, O God, that the word of God would be an encouragement to their souls and that even through this broadcast, there would be many who would seek the Lord and walk with the Lord in a manner that is pleasing unto him. We thank you for your goodness. Bless us all in our going out and our coming in. Help us in all our ways to acknowledge thee. And dear Father, be pleased to guide and direct our paths. We would pray in Jesus' A precious and eternal name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.